So, as Mike said, I'm Jess, um, and um, he did ruin my intro a bit, but we'll see how we go. It's fine. No, so, I want to extend my own happy Christmas to you all, and I do have the privilege of sharing a Christmas talk this morning. It'll go for about 20 minutes, so yeah, yawn away. Um, let's see how we go. All right, like Mike said, we've been talking about the good news of Christmas these last few weeks here at Pathway in a bit of a different way. Our theme for this Christmas series has been surprise, the surprises of Jesus. On the 12th of December, two Sundays ago, like Mike said, see, ah, it's fine, I'm good with it. Nah. Etienne shared of the manger, um, the birth of Christ, surprise. Jesus came, uh, God came, Jesus, he came as a tiny little baby on the floor of a stable into the hands of a teenager. He was visited by shepherds and surrounded by sheep. God had come to be with us in humble majesty. The word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. The many promises of the Old Testament were fulfilled in Christ. The wait for, who the Bible describes as the snake crusher, the covenant keeper, the son of David, the true king, the great high priest, the saviour and the Messiah was finally over. The next Sunday, the 19th, Etienne went on with the story. He shared why Jesus came. Surprise, Christ came to die. He came to die for us to make a way back to God, to deny self and hang on a cross, to be the perfect atoning sacrifice, to take the punishment required for sin so we didn't have to, to bear the wrath of God on an old wooden cross, to be separated from God as the world went dark, so that we don't need to. We don't need to encounter that wrath. We don't need to bear that unimaginable separation. Jesus died, so in a spiritual sense, we don't have to. But death didn't have the last word. Jesus then went on to conquer death, to con conquer sin, to conquer sadness, and he came back to life three days later, Leaving behind an empty tomb, he is the risen, resurrected, alive God of all. The next part of the story that Etienne didn't get to is, Jesus, after coming back to life, appeared to a bunch of people. He helped them piece together what had just happened and what it meant, how his coming as a baby, his living and his death and resurrection changes everything. He then left them and returned to heaven. But God didn't leave his people alone for long. For we know from the Bible, 50 days later, God the Holy Spirit came. The Spirit came to the hearts of all believers to bring power, to teach, to change and shape hearts after God's and to draw them to himself. Now for today's surprise... We live today, this Christmas, after the fulfilled promises of God coming to make a way, first as a tiny baby, after that, after that way is made through the cross and the empty tomb, we live powered by the Spirit of God in us and we live waiting for Christ to come again 
surprise. Well, it's not now, but surprise. It never was. Surprise. Jesus is coming back. He came in the most unlikely way. He saved us in the most unlikely way. And he's coming back again. It will be a surprise. The second coming of Christ is a surprise in the sense that we don't know when and we don't quite know how and we can't in our human understanding fully know what but we do however know who's coming. And while it will be a surprise, we, can't, we certainly won't miss it. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, as lightning that comes in the east is visible in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. We will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. The second time Christ comes, he won't slip into the arms of a virgin mother in the quiet hours of the night on the outskirts of Bethlehem. The book of Revelation tells us he will come in great glory with the clouds. Every eye will see him. All the people of the earth will know. So... We have two comings. We have the first coming of Christ, a baby, a man, God in flesh, God with us. God coming to win the defining battle of all time. God on earth in a moment in history, the coming of Christ to live, to die and rise again, and this explodes over all time, past and all time to come. And the second coming, we've got God in glory, in majesty, and awe, the ultimate fulfilment of all of God's promises. God coming to put the pieces together and finish the war. God, the creator of everything, undoing completely the effects of sin and renewing the whole world. Our two comings. Now, one of the ways we can visualise the second coming, one of the ways, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, you're all over it. Anyway, there's a, there's a picture coming because I remembered. Because one of the ways the Bible tells us is the illustration of a banquet. And it's probably behind me too now. We are invited to a great banquet, a glorious feast, an extravagant meal. Our invitation is written in the blood of Christ and delivered to us by a risen Saviour and then sealed by the power of the Spirit. In Revelation 19, we read in verse 9, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Jesus tells parables of a wedding banquet or a great banquet recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. He wants us to see that his coming as a baby in a manger, his dying and rising, means we can come. We are invited. And one day, he will come back and it will be like Jesus is saying, it's all ready, it's time, the door is wide open, come to the banquet, come those saved by Christ and sealed by the Spirit. Surprise, you are invited to the banquet. 
the great God of all, the baby we celebrate at Christmas, the creator, the king, saviour, invites us to his banquet. So, what do we do knowing a banquet awaits? Knowing we're invited, knowing Christ will come again. We must also ask, have we accepted our invitation? Do we want to be invited? Jesus did everything to assure us an invitation. Wherever people are at this morning with their invitation, whether it's out and open and clutched in your hand, whether it's lying around somewhere at home, whether it remains forgotten, unwanted, returned to sender, or whether this Christmas you want to reclaim that invitation. Wherever people are at with, with their invitation, we have two decisions to make. Well, wherever people, yeah. We have two decisions to make. We, we need to ask, what are we going to do with our invitation? And what are we going to do now? Knowing that the great banquet is our future. What do we do with the in-between? The between, between the already of the manger and the cross and the not yet of eternity, of, of the glorious return, of the banquet. We are granted salvation, but our hearts are not at rest. We have not arrived at the table we get tastes of the delicacies of the great meal to come. We get joy and peace and purpose. But sin still very much remains. Still affects our world, our families, relationships, our minds, our situations. Yes, Jesus will come back to fully restore, to reign forever to apply salvation purchased at the cross. But what of life in the meantime? We sit between two comings. We're in the in-between this Christmas, this day, between the already and the not yet. What do we do? Wait for it. We live. We live waiting, ready, expecting. We patiently wait while living ready in hopeful expectation. Let's break those down. Um, this is distracting. Anyway, we'll get over it. We strive to patiently wait. We do this because it's been done before. All the Old Testament was awaiting for the coming of Christ, the Messiah. Waiting is the whole story of scripture. The Old Testament believers were waiting for the Messiah, for what God had promised. This was their story. For the New Testament believers, this is us, we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. The whole story of scripture is the middle, the wait. We know the beginning and the ending, but we exist in this hollow space. We, we sit similar to the people of the Old Testament. The same God is always loving, always keeping his promises, always taking care of his people and always forgiving. And we, like the people of the Bible, disobey, run away, 
We too think we don't need him. But God remains. God is the promise keeper, the rescuer. God comes despite us. The people of the Old Testament were waiting for the best part of the plan, the Messiah to come, and we are waiting for the end of the plan. The surprise for them was the first Christmas, the baby amongst the straw. Our surprise is still to come. Just like before Christ came and conquered on the cross, it seems like evil and sin are winning. For us today, it sometimes seems like we're on the losing team. We can feel like the people at the end of the Old Testament, a little nation imposed on by other rulers, hundreds of years of silence, clutching onto a big but long-ago promise. We too must hold on and wait. The king has come, so he will come again. We have not lost, so we will not lose. God reigns, so he will reign forever. The promises have been fulfilled, so will be completely fulfilled. The wait won't be forever. So this Christmas, wait patiently. We also live ready. We, do, we don't get ready, we don't simply be ready, standing there tapping our foot. We act out ready. We do this because Christ first acted, lived out, served us. Jesus came humbly as a tiny baby to save us. There's plenty to do while we wait, and there's Christ in us, empowering us. He is the great server, the one who first performed the greatest act for us. So live ready. He's coming back. Yet, we don't always feel like this. Author Paul David Tripp honestly writes, There are days when I don't care about redemption. All I want is a good steak. There are days when I don't care about God. I just want nice weather for a change. There are times when I don't care about God's will. I just want the people in my life to like me. There are moments when I don't think about the beauty of God's grace. I just want a little control over my schedule. And it's at these times that Tripp says, I need the grace of God that alone has the power to rescue me from me. In a similar vein, the parables Jesus tells about the great banquet in Matthew 22 and Luke 14, the people there are invited by the great king, but they don't accept. They turn away. They make excuses saying, we have fields and businesses to attend to, a new wife to get back to, oxen to see. We need to understand the seriousness of not accepting what is offered by way of the banquet. This offer is indescribable. It's infinitely precious. To dine with a great king, nothing even comes close. No excuse is valid. All pales in comparison. Yet we so easily get led astray. We so easily get sucked in and taken for the ride and pulled in another direction. 
We continually need the grace and power of Christ in us to turn us back to our invitation and the work of getting ready for the banquet. We need the renewing of the Spirit in us to know and feel the awe of the offer to dine with the great King of all kings. So let's daily turn, let's choose, let's hold tight, let's put aside to live ready by the power and grace of Christ for the coming of Christ. Yet what does living ready look like? We can get so focused on the here and now, we want to know practically how to live ready. A five-point plan with appendixes. Ryan's going to talk more tomorrow about what it looks like living in the in-between, living waiting and ready for Christ's return. But for today, we want to catch a glimpse to understand a little more clearly where the world is headed and from this perspective, we live ready. This Christmas, live ready in light of the coming kingdom, the invitation to the banquet. Our final point is that of hopeful expectation. David is going to come up and he's going to read a few short readings to draw us into hopeful expectation. Thanks, David. Taken from the end of the book, The Biggest Story, by Kevin DeYoung. We haven't seen the end of the story. Not yet. We live in the beginning of the end of the story that we are still in the middle of. We know it's not the end because we haven't made it back to the garden. We get glimpses of the garden here and there, in our hearts, in our families, in the church. But anyone who loves this story longs to see the one who is the centre of the story. He's coming to make a new beginning and finish what he started. So keep waiting for him. Keep believing in him. Keep trusting that the story isn't over yet. God's promises never fail. And the promised one never disappoints. One day we will see him. One day we will be with him. One day there will be nothing but the best of days. Day after day after day, after day. Taken from the end of the book, The Jesus Storybook Bible, by Sally Lloyd-Jones. I am the beginning, Jesus said, and the ending. One day, heaven would come down and mend God's broken world and make it our true, perfect home once again. In some mysterious way, 
that would be hard to explain. Everything was going to be more wonderful for once, having been so sad. The end of the story was going to be so great. It would make all the sadness and tears and everything seem just like a shadow that is chased away by the morning sun. I'm on my way, Jesus said. I'll be there soon. As John came to write at the end of the last, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, he didn't write the end because, of course, that's how stories finish. And this one's not over yet. So instead he wrote, Come quickly, Jesus. Which perhaps is really another way of saying, To be continued. Taken from the end of the book, The Last Battle, which is the final book of seven in the series, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say they all lived happily ever after. But for them... It was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. <laughs> now you can click it. Okay. Thanks, David. I love those readings. Christ's coming is imminent. Are you patiently waiting? Are you living ready? Are you expectantly hoping? It's worth the wait. Today makes sense because it's living ready in light of his coming. And there is nothing more hopeful than this good news. Now to finish. Matthew 1.23 reads, Concerning the first coming of Christ to the world, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means Christ with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God came to dwell with us on that first Christmas. Revelation 21 3 reads concerning the second coming of Christ to the world, Behold, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them 
and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. God with us. God will come again to dwell with us. We will be his people and God will be our God. The entire message of the Bible summed up, contained the whole of history of the covenants of redemption all comes together in Emmanuel, God with us. So this morning, this Christmas day, we can look to the glorious second coming because we celebrate the first coming. He promised and he is faithful and he will come again. So today, let's not stop at the manger. He's no longer there. Let's not stop at the tomb because praise the Lord, he's no longer there. Instead, let's behold Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. What a glorious joy to share this morning that you came. That you came that first Christmas in humble majesty. Thank you that you have never, will never stop coming for us. And Jesus, what love you gave as you died to make a way back to you. To do everything so that we can know, grow in and show the love of God. Help us, we ask in this. Lastly, Lord, we recognise anew that you are coming back. What hope. Yet a call, no matter where we are at this morning, to live in light of your coming. To live waiting, ready and expecting you to come back in glory. Thank you, God, for this Christmas Day 2021 and that your goodness and grace are as true today as always. Amen. sing together, Silent Night, Holy Night.
Uh, my name's Andrew. I'm going to lead us in a, a prayer, uh, a prayer that's um, reflective of Christmas and, and responsive to many of the ideas that we've heard this morning. So let's join together in prayer. Lord God, we pause now to come in prayer. How special it is when at Christmas families gather and express joy, generosity and love to one another. It feels good to connect, receive thoughtful presents and know people care. Lord, we can be caught up in our own celebrations and traditions, but now we want to give you praise, honour and thanks for who you are and what you have given us. Lord, we acknowledge now that nothing comes close to replicating your love and generosity towards all of us, your family. You created us and gave us an amazing world to live in, a perfect world with incredible beauty. Your instructions were simple. Trust you, look after each other and our world. But you also gave people a free will. People made choices to turn from you and stop treating each other and their world in a caring way. Lord, today we remember your response, a loving and caring response. You sent your son Jesus into the world as a baby born in the flesh. We acknowledge and celebrate that miraculous and significant event. This morning we say thank you for that incredible loving gift. It is in understanding the full picture of your faithfulness that the depth of your love is revealed. For we know that you sent your son to earth and were separated from him entirely for our sake. To restore our relationship with you, our creator God and father in heaven. You sent Jesus to show us how to live, to share your wisdom on how to once again trust you and live respectfully with each other in our world. We know the consequences of Jesus' life on earth. For him, it resulted in a terrible death, but it gave our world a chance. It was world-changing, and still people today are influenced by the wisdom and teachings of Jesus. On a personal and spiritual level, Jesus reconnected us with the Father through his death, his birth, death, and resurrection. We are able to be in relationship with you as you first desired. It is in experiencing the forgiveness, love and grace of Jesus that makes Christmas more significant and meaningful. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, for reuniting us all with you as your family through Jesus. However, our praise and worship to you this morning isn't just for what has happened in the past. We praise you for what you are continuing to do now. For the gift of your Holy Spirit who works in the lives of all those who put their trust in Jesus. And so we say thank you that through the work of your Spirit you continue to lead and guide us. That we can make sense of the patterns of this world and our personal lives, both good and bad. Through recognising what Jesus did for us and continues and we continue to trust you. You had a perfect plan when you created this world and us. Our hope for the future is that you will continue to be faithful in fulfilling your plan to redeem us and one day bring us fully into your presence. The celebration of Christmas reminds us that our hope for perfect joy, peace, love, the qualities we experience at Christmas can only be found in you 
and your unfolding plan that is still being fulfilled. You promise an everlasting life with you and perfect love in all its elements for those who accept Jesus as their saviour. You desire to bring us all back into community again with you as a united family. As we spend time with our earthly family and friends today, may we be reminded of what you have done in sending Jesus into the world and the plan you have to one day gather your family together. What a time of celebration and everlasting joy that will be. So Lord, today on Christmas Day, bless the events and gatherings we have planned. May we be generous, loving and forgiving to each other. May we be inclusive and accepting of each other but also fill us with hope and expectancy for the time when you will bring us together in your presence to meet and celebrate with you in person. Be our motivation, our example, our reason to truly celebrate Christmas today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. Folks, that um, brings us pretty close to the, to the end of our service. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. doesn't bring us to the end of church, in a sense, in that um, we're sticking around for um, coffee, fellowship, um, in the foyer, in here. If you want your masks off, take it outside um, or chat outside. Um, please keep an eye on your kids. Um, and if we go outside, it's an opportunity to uh, make sure the playground's supervised. We're also having a Christmas lunch here um, this morning, an early Christmas lunch. We won't rush into that. We'll do coffee and then we'll sort of get around to, to setting up. Uh, it's bring your own everything. As long as your expectations aren't too high, you're welcome to stay. Um, no banquet, no presents, no fuss, but some food to share. Uh, perhaps a beer or a wine, dare I say it's some good company. Um, so whether you've come prepared for that or not, um, please feel very free to join us. That's, that's why we're staying here. Uh, we want people um, to join us. Low-key and casual, but welcome to hang around. As Jess alluded, um, we're back tomorrow, uh, same time, same place for part four of this series, and Ryan will be bringing us that. Okay, a reminder that God is with us. The, um, as we've heard already, the promises of the Old Testament were fulfilled in the very first chapter of the very first book of the New Testament. And the angel came and said this, You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then the very last verses of the very last book of the whole Bible, and we've heard it already this morning. Revelations chapter 22. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Amen. 